Well, it is really good to be at uh, South Edmonton Alliance Church. Thanks, Pastor James and, uh, and team that made that possible. And uh, yeah, give it up for them. And uh, Happy New Year. I hope that uh, 2017 is off to a, a really great start for you. Um, I'm excited for what God's doing in our community resurgence. And uh, I just want to, I want to thank, you know, we, as we came out of 2016, uh, resurgence is made possible by our community, by our volunteers, by our people that pray. We have a, a prayer team that's praying regularly for you, for me, for, for what God's doing, uh, for our partners that give financially, that make it possible to do all that we're doing. Our ministry is completely funded by our community, which is just amazing. And so I just want to say thank you. Thank you to every volunteer. Thank you to the worship teams. Uh, worship teams, they practice during the week. Then they come at three o'clock. Somebody makes a meal for them. And then there's food after at every resurgence. And so they give uh, untold amounts of time. And they come and sometimes there's sound issues and sometimes there's headaches. And, and they just give of themselves and their time. And so why don't you just give it up for everyone that volunteers, partners, prays. Um, you know, the word that I've been hearing lately is the word breakthrough. And uh, I've heard that word on podcasts, and I've heard that word uh, people are sensing and feeling. What are you sensing for 2017? And I hear this word breakthrough. And my heart echoes it because I just so sense it and believe it. I believe it for myself. I believe it for each one in this room. I believe it for us as a ministry that there's this 2017 is a year of breakthrough. And... Um, and it is. And so uh, there's one thing um, to know that it's a year of breakthrough, but then what do we do with knowing that? And um, how do we prepare? How do we posture ourselves? And I want to share a thought to you tonight called Here I Am. And um, it, it's, it's about posturing ourselves as we enter this year. It's about a, a, a journey really of trust. And I believe God wants to speak to us about trust tonight. And um, let us just pray. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're in this place. I thank you that your presence is here right now. I thank you that you know each person here tonight. You know what we need. You know what's going on in our world. You know everything. You're God of the universe. You created us. And you're in this place tonight. God, I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're hovering, that you're, that you're here in every situation. And God, we just give our, our lives to you, our burdens to you, our worries to you, our anxiety to you. Everything that we're carrying, we give to you. Every sickness that we carry, every, all that stuff, we just, uh, we just empty our backpacks tonight. Speak to us. We open up our ears, open up our hearts, open up our minds to uh, experience and encounter everything you want to give to us tonight. God, we, we want it all. God, we're hungry for more. We're hungry for more of your presence, God. We're hungry for more. God, we don't just sing songs. We don't just put a sign up resurgence. We're not just here to just hang out with people, God. We're here to meet with you. 
We're here for an encounter that changes our lives forever. We're here for something that, that, that can't be man-made, that can't be hyped up, that, 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 that is not possible by, by smooth words. God, we're here for just your power, for you to come and move in our hearts. So we invite you, we give you full permission to do that in this room. Everybody said. And um, last January, I preached a word on hope. Uh, it, was, it was basically a year ago. I preached a word on hope. It was one of the most vulnerable words I've ever preached. Um, uh, the podcast is the most downloaded podcast that we've ever released. Um, and so if you're curious, uh, I spoke on singleness. I spoke on relationships. I spoke on hope and how it relates to that. And so... Um, and I'm going to do that again tonight. Just, just kidding. Last year when I said that, when I talked about relationships, I had the room. Like, it was like you could say anything. Everybody stopped, you know? And, um, but, but if you're interested in, in more on that, you can go to and check out the podcast. But hope... When I spoke last year, I spoke, hope is not wishy-washy thinking. It's not, it's not dreaming with no certainty of fulfillment. But biblical hope is actually active. It, it's um, it's, it's a, a, the activity of hoping for content. And it's actually, or it's a content hoped for. And it actually talks of future. It's something, it's something not here. It's something in the distance. It, it's in the future. It, it's invisible, or, or it's both. And... Um, Things we can't see or haven't seen yet, haven't received yet. See, hope is something that we don't have in front of us. And it's something that we don't have yet. And hope is also a being. Uh, the Bible says in Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Jesus Christ is hope. And so we, as we enter 2017, I don't know where you're at tonight in this room. Some of you um, may be at a place where there were things that you were hoping for last year. There were things that in 2016 you were like, I'm hoping God for this. These are breakthroughs that I need to see. And, 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 and then you've seen that, that what you've seen in the invisible actually became reality for you. You saw hope come. You, you saw those things that you were praying, dreaming, that God had put in your heart, and in 2016 you experienced those things, and I want to celebrate that. That's incredible. Those are things that we need to celebrate, that there was a breakthrough in those areas. But I believe that God wants to also speak to you tonight. Maybe you're in this room and that you were contending for some things and you saw some breakthroughs, but you never saw the full breakthrough. That you're in that in-between season where you're like, I've seen some of the hope. I've seen some of the things that God has put on my heart, my life, but it's not fully there yet. And I'm believing for the fulfillment of that. I believe God wants to speak to you tonight too. And maybe there's some in this room that you, um, you hope for things. There's things that you're believing for, but... Hope deferred makes the heart sick, and, and, and you have not seen the fulfillment yet. And it seems like nothing has happened. It seems on the surface you don't know if anything is happening in those areas that you're contending for. And, and I believe that God wants to speak to you tonight as well. He wants to speak to us in this place. And He wants to remind us that even though what we don't see on the surface, God is doing something. Something is happening. There's a bubbling forth. Faith arise in you tonight. There is hope, and there is hope in the room, and there's breakthrough in this year. 
So in those three places we find ourselves, God wants us to encounter him tonight. And um, I've been thinking as 2016 came to a close, uh, this verse has come to my mind over and over and over again. And it's a verse that um, if you grew up in Sunday school, if you grew up in um, kids' church, any kind of kid activity in church, you probably had to memorize a verse. And the first verse, like they always pick, was always this one. And I'm sure as a kid this was on my fridge. It was the one that I knew. And it's Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. And it goes like this. Trust. And for the month of December, I, I, I felt the Lord really prompt me to like look at this verse. And for the month of December and even into this new year, I've been almost every day recounting this verse. And I've been asking the Lord to show me, God, show me this verse. Let me actually understand this verse. Let, let, me, let me get the full weight of what you're saying here. Let me not just memorize it and read it over and over, but I personally want to walk in this area of this verse. Sometimes we can rush to read lots of scripture and we can like mow through tons of scripture, but we actually don't retain and we don't apply it. And I was like, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to camp on this and I want to I wanna see this like manifest in my life in every possible way. And, um, and so, you know, maybe there's some areas, you know, for me, um, there's some areas that I trust the Lord. That it, you know, it's easy to do that. There's some areas that I think I trust the Lord. I do for a while, but then I kind of take it into my own hand. <laughs> I trust Him in some areas of my heart, but maybe not all of them all the time. And um, let's unpack it. You know, what does trust mean? Trust in the Lord, it says. It says that's to be secure, to be confident, to be bold, to actually, uh, it's a verb, and it's an, it means to take refuge in. I really love that, to take refuge in. When I trust in God, I'm actually taking refuge in Him. I'm like a refugee taking refuge in Him. And, um, you know, with all your heart, that's the inner man. That's the, the soul is the seat of our emotions, our passions, our courage, our hunger. That's deep inside. No, it doesn't say our head, does it? So many times I like to trust the Lord with all my mind, with all my head. And I'm Slavic, so I have a bigger head. So, you know, it's, I, I'm an engineer too, and so I like logic. And if I can understand everything, if I can put God into my, into my box, if I, can, um, if, if I can explain everything that God is doing, then it makes me feel better, to be honest. But then I've put God to my size. And how big is our God? God's bigger than me. He doesn't fit into my logic. He doesn't fit into my analytical mind. He doesn't fit into my great thinking. Isaiah says that, that he's bigger. His ways, his thoughts, they're, they're bigger than us. See, there's, there's mysteries to God. There's understandings. There's questions I don't understand. There's questions that you probably don't understand that, that you've asked. And, but it's unexplainable that the opportunity occurs for trust to happen. See, because if I can explain everything, I don't need to trust God. If I have all the answers in my, in my head, if I can figure it all out logically, then there's no room for God. 
But it's in the mystery that trust is the foundation can happen. See, we gain understanding of God over years of of history with Him. And at times as we mature in Christ, we can start to go, okay, I know how God's going to move. I got it all figured out. But God wants to look at him fresh. He doesn't want us to to base it on what we know, but he wants us to embrace the mystery. With all our heart, be okay with the things that our mind doesn't get. But God, I'm with you with all my heart, from head to heart. God, you can have it all. See, we never need to arrive to a point that we know it. God's beyond our mind. He's bigger than us. Lean Lean not on your own understanding. What does that look like? You know, if I'm going to lean on this stool, I'm going to put my full weight. My weight is leaning on this. I'm actually putting weight on the stool. And I trust that the stool will actually hold me up. And, and there's a leaning. There's a, there's a, you know, the understanding means knowledge, wisdom, discernment. When I, when I lean on a chair, my weight is supported by the chair. When I lean on the stool, it's supported. It's easy to ignore the mystery, the unquantifiable mystery of God. But as we learn more and go deeper, we need to learn to, to lean into God. Lean into God to the point that if it fails, that it without, like you're going to fail without God. We, we like things safe. We don't want to fail, so we, we don't lean in very far. But I believe that God calls us to lean, not on our own understanding, lean beyond us. Lean beyond what we can figure out. Put yourself so on the edge that if God doesn't show up, you're going to fail. Um, all. That's totality, everything. Ways, you know, the journey, the road, manners, habits, course of life, character. And then the word, um, in all your ways, acknowledge him. What does acknowledge mean? You know, um, it's actually to know by experience, by encounter. The word acknowledge there doesn't just mean... Um, I'm here and God's coming to the room and I, and I got a glance of him and oh yeah, he's just, he's over there. Yeah, I see him. He's kind of over there. That's not what acknowledge means. It means that he actually, you know him. It's a call to an encounter here. It's an intimate exchange. That word acknowledge is actually the same word used when, when Adam was with Eve. And when I mean with, I mean that way with. They were getting it on. That's the same word. He knew. Adam knew his wife Eve. Like that's the same intimacy that, that we, that in all your ways, know him, acknowledge him, so know him so intimately, have an encounter with him in all your ways. It's an interaction. It's, it's, it's an invitation to an encounter. And it's actually in everything we do. We sometimes put this like, oh, God, I want to know you. I want to know you at the altar. I want to know you on Sunday. I want to know you at Bible study. I want to know you in my devotional time. I want to know you in my worship time when I'm at home and in the shower or whatever. But do we know him in all our ways? As an engineer, as deans and engineer, as, as medical professionals, as whatever you do, do you know the Lord in that way? Do you know the Lord in music? Do you know the Lord? He's the creator of all music. He's a creator of all art. Do you know the Lord in that way? Every day, like sometimes we're like, oh, okay, God doesn't care about the little details. He actually does. 
And when we invite him into those everything, little things we do, when you're just going to the store to pick up some eggs, whatever, it's like, hey, God, and, and you have that conversation and you bring him into it. You know, there used to be, my friends used to, they used to pray for parking stalls. It's like, I want a parking stall. And at first when I heard that, I'm annoyed. I'm like, that's, God doesn't care about your parking stall. And then later I'm like, I was like at West Edmonton Mall before Christmas. I was like, Lord, I need a parking stall. And the fact is, okay, whether you get the parking stall or not, that doesn't really matter. But you're actually bringing God into the relationship. You're bringing God into that, hey, God, I need to do this. And I'm actually, and if he doesn't, that doesn't change my relationship with him. Dean, I need to borrow, uh, can you pick me up a coffee on the way to resurgence? And he's like, oh, man, sorry, I'm too late. I'm on my way. I can't do it. It doesn't affect. It's just like, oh, okay, whatever. But, but there's something when we bring people into the, con- when we bring God into our everyday conversation, when we acknowledge him in everything we do, it changes everything. And he will make right your path. He will make your path straight. That means smooth, direct, pleasant, upright, everything we want. <laughs> he will make that. Proverbs 16.3 says, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your faith. So what does this thing of faith, hope, and trust look like? What does the relationship look like? And, and I was asking that, and I looked up um, Arthur Pink, who is a, a theologian, and he's written a lot of um, you know, expositions on Hebrews and stuff. He said this. He uses the analogy of, of two men standing on the deck of a ship. And look, they're looking in the same direction. One sees nothing. The other sees a distant ship way in the distance. The difference is the first man is looking through his natural eye. The other man is using a telescope. Faith is that telescope that brings the future promises into view, those hopes. See, I believe faith gives us eyes to see the hope. We can see the distant things. It brings it into focus. See, faith enables us to see the unseen world, the hope. And the natural man cannot see that. See, I sense God wants to increase our faith individually, but as a community. It's time to believe for greater things. It's time that we actually see and have hope and start to see things through eyes of faith. See, faith allows us to hope and see hope. But I would argue it's trust that makes the hope a reality. See, faith allows us to see it. I can see, oh yeah, I'm believing, I have a dream. God, there's that plan, there's that purpose for my life. There's the things, that path I'm on. I see that distant place. But to get there, to get to that hope, we need to trust. Hebrews 11.1 Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. That's what the ancients were commended for. See, now faith is trust or it's confidence in what we hope for. See, faith takes us to the place where we can see, the future place. We can see, we can see hopes, we can see dreams, all those things. You have a hope, but to get there you need trust. And hope isn't what you currently have. Hope is what you don't have. 
Hope, hope is, is not what you currently have right now. It's what you don't have. See, if you can see it now and have it, then, then you don't have to have hope for it. <laughs> it's like, I want to get an iPhone. Well, I have an iPhone, you know? Um, that doesn't take, that's not, that's not big faith to see that, you know? I got money in the bank, I could buy another. You know, like, it, it's, it's not, but, but hope is things that we, we don't have right now. They're distant See, if, if we have it, we don't have to trust God for it. I can lean on my own understanding. You know, I don't need space for God because I can make it happen on my own. And I think so many times that maybe our heart has got sick and we have not been healed. Our hope deferred makes the heart sick, Proverbs says. And I think so many times that maybe we have discouragement and, and there's, there's times our hearts got sick. So what we do is we actually start to hope things that are really small. We believe for things that we can get naturally, that, that it doesn't take a lot to get, the things that we already have, actually, because we actually can go, oh, at least I can get them and I'll, be, I'll feel fulfilled. <laughs> Why? Because we've had bad experiences. We don't, we're, we're scared of the fear of being let down again. We let our own understanding govern our future. We focused on what we have. We hope for things we have because we can obtain them. But I believe that God calls us to hope again, to trust again. Maybe in 2016, you have had a hope fulfilled. You've had that breakthrough. And as I said earlier, we celebrate that. It's incredible. But I also call you to now start to hope again. What's the next thing you're believing for? It's time to take risks bigger. It's time to dream bigger than you we've been dreaming. It's time to step out of the boat. I, I found that faith isn't a one-time step, but it's a lifelong step out of the boat. And sometimes we take one step and then we celebrate and we stop and camp there. But God doesn't want us to camp there. But he's calling us to see with eyes of faith. There are dreams, there are visions that only you can fulfill. There are purposes in this life that God has called you. And I believe he's saying... Think bigger, look bigger, look farther. Don't look so, so close, but look for generations. I want to do something bigger than you can imagine. See, there's faith that needs to arise in our hearts. One yes leads to another yes. Sometimes we, we say yes to God and then we kind of stop, but we need to keep saying yes. We need to keep going down this journey. A place where we cannot lean on our own understanding. Don't look at what you have, but what you will have. Have a hope that needs a trust to make it happen. See, what are the things in your heart God's talking to you about tonight? Um, I, as many might know me or follow me on Instagram, I love to ski. Skiing is awesome. Booed all the snowboarders here. Um, <laughs> Anyways, I love you anyways, but I love, I love to ski. Uh, it's okay. You guys are okay, too. You're okay. <laughs> Relax. Don't be too offended. Um, brush it off. Um, but I love to ski, and so in the last couple of years, I've like, I need to, I'm like, I want to ski more, and so I've been, I've been out trying to ski. Last year, I got out uh, uh, more times than I ever had before, and I was just loved it, and um, and we just, a bunch of us just went a couple weekends ago to Revy and Kicking Horse, and it was, the pow was unbelievable. It was awesome. And, um, 
and I just can't wait to go it again. But last year, we were going on this trip, and I had a day early. I was at a conference in the mountains, and I had a day, and then a bunch of friends were coming, and we were going to go skiing. So I had Friday off, and I, and I had a holiday, and so I took a holiday, and I'm like, okay, so um, am I just going to wait around for them to come? And then I thought, well, I could go skiing. I'll go skiing by myself, I guess. I've never really gone skiing by myself, but people do it, and maybe I'll talk to people on the lift, you know? And, and so I got to the hill. I went to sunshine, um, and the sun was not shining at sunshine. And it was cloudy day, and I went there, and I, I was like 8, 8.30 or whatever. I was there at the beginning, got on the lift, gondola, got up there. I'm like, okay, this is going to be a good day, going to enjoy it, just spend some time with the Lord. It's awesome. Just pray and just ski, and it'll be awesome. And um, I get up the first chairlift, and I'm going to the top of the chairlift, and uh, the sight that I saw was very similar to this next picture he put up. And, um, yeah, that picture. And... Um, so it was like I was going into the cloud, you know, just going into the cloud of glory. And I'm just like, ah, come on. And I'm just like, this is going to be awesome. And you cannot see, when I was there, this, this picture doesn't even do just because I could not see the next chair. It was that cloudy. I was right in the cloud. And you're going up to the top chair, and I'm there at the top. And I got off, and I'm like, okay, you know, it's kind of cloudy. Well, is that my goggles? No, no, that's just the cloud. And... Um, and it was snowing, and, you know, it, was, it wasn't the greatest visibility. Actually, there was no visibility. And, um, and so I go down, like, I pick, like, a blue or black, like, something. I was, like, something that just was, like, kind of just, it was pretty basic coming down. I think it was a blue, and it was just, I was, like, okay, I just got to get down. I just, I just want to, like, see a way down. And as I start going, I started to realize I don't know what angle that I'm, like, I don't, I can't, like, I could not differentiate between snow, the ground, and the sky. And I, and I started to look for, like, something. There was no trees there. There was nothing. And, and, and I started to be in this, like, it was just white. It was just white. And I, like, took the goggles off, didn't help, put them back on. And I just started to ski and kind of go slow turns and, like, all of a sudden, I fell off a ridge, and I'm like, I'm like, oh. And, and what happened really quickly is all of a sudden, this feeling in my stomach started to come. And I felt super nauseous. My equilibrium started to go off. And, it, and, and what happened to me, I later found out later, as I got down the hill, I got down the hill, and I was sick. And I'm like, oh, I have stomach flu. Like, something's up. And so I actually had to go in and sit in the lodge after, like, the first run. And I sat there for, like, a half an hour feeling gross, going, I don't want to go ski anymore. I'm done. And I had to, like, kind of sit. And I was like, and then this guy, a couple, I, I ended up going back out. And I was like, okay, I got to push through. You know, I spent 100 bucks. I have to go. And so, so I got out, and I told this guy, and I left. He goes, oh, you had Hostler's disease. And I'm like, what? What disease? I'm not into diseases. And he goes... <laughs> He goes, you have, you have a ski sickness. And I'm like, okay, I never heard of that. And so I Wikipedia'd it later because I'm like, I didn't really believe him. But it's actually, it's in whiteout conditions, the brain is unable to accurately determine orientation or movement. The condition is caused by the rhythmic turning of skiing and other effects such as reduction in sensory feedback from constrained feet. See, I couldn't see the horizon and I couldn't see an object in front of me. And I think... I think this so relates that sometimes we can't see. 
We can't see where we're going. We don't see the distant hope. And um, I think we need to see that distant hope so we can actually trust God to where we're going. See, I knew that this hill would go to the bottom. I, I had skied that hill before, so I kind of knew what to expect. I kind of knew that the, the green run is going to be okay, or the blue run. It's going to be okay if I just follow it. There's markers. Just stay within the fences. I'm going to get to the lodge at the bottom. I knew that. But, but there's something about seeing. And, and, and sometimes in life, we, we lose at equilibrium. We, we lose our balance. We uh, maybe become nauseous from the swirl all around us of circumstance, of feeling, of what's going on. But we need to know that God has never left us. God has never forgotten us. And you may feel like you can't see anything tonight, that you don't know your equilibrium. You don't know which way is up or which way is down. But God said there is hope. There is something ahead of you that He's called you for great and mighty things. That God has a plan for you. God has a purpose that only you can fulfill. And He wants to remind us tonight of that hope. See, you may feel sick with deferred hope. But God wants to heal that. You may feel blind without your compasses on which way to go, but God wants to direct us. God's restoring faith tonight. There's no shame. There's no judgment. Um, he has a way for each of us to go. It's to trust. See, come hell or high water, I'm going to trust the Lord. No matter the feelings, no matter the circumstances, no matter what's happening around me, no matter the swirl of whiteness around me that whites me out, there's a call to faith to say, it doesn't matter what happens, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust God in every circumstance. I'm going to trust God when the doctor report isn't what I'm looking for. I'm going to trust God when I get laid off from my job and that wasn't the plan. I'm going to trust God through anything because the circumstances don't impact my relationship with the Father. The circumstances they will swirl around me, but I have my eyes on my hope. I have my eyes on what God has put in my heart, and I'm going to steward that. I'm going to, I'm going to watch my mind, and I'm going to go towards that. I'm going to trust him with everything. See, it's time for us to break off doubt, to break off uh, negative mindsets, fear. When you look at a situation, do you see through eyes of faith, or do you see through eyes of fear? Do you trust him, or do you trust the circumstance? Um, there was a story of a teenage girl. And this teenage girl, like any teenage girl in her teens, getting into her later teens, she, um, she dreamed of getting married. And she most likely had her Pinterest boards filled <laughs> with the latest trends, the shoes, the ring, what her dream day and life would look like. She probably had a Pinterest board about what, how she would decorate her home with her future husband. And she had this all planned and what the meal would be like at the wedding and, and all the things that would happen. And she had her life planned out. And actually what happened was she, she met a guy. She fell in love. She got engaged. Everything was unfolding like she had dreamed. They were planning the wedding. And then something happened to her, something unexpected, something she never had in her plans, never had any grid for, never wasn't anything she ever thought could happen to her, but something happened that changed the very course of her life. 
an angel of the Lord showed up to her and told her that she was highly favored. And of course she was frightened, like anyone would be. And, um, and the angel said, the Lord is with her. And that she had found favor with God. Come on, somebody. If I heard an angel show up, I'd be waving a hanky. If someone, the angel said, you know, the angel said, you're highly favored. Like, come on now, you know? <laughs> like, it'd be like, come on. I'm highly favored. I received that. The angel Lord says I'm highly favored. Like, I would run around and shout, you know? Um, And then the angel told this girl, Mary, you'll give birth to Jesus. And he'll be called the Son of the Most High. And Mary was confused. How could this be? She was a virgin. She had not been with a guy. And he told her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the Holy One will be called the Son of God. He went on to say to Mary, for nothing is impossible with God. And Mary gave this response, we read in Luke, said, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. It reminds me of a similar response Abraham gave in Scripture, where Abraham was going to... um, when God first spoke to him about going and sacrificing Isaac on the mountain, take your son Isaac, the first thing that Abraham, he said to him, he said, here am I. Here I am. Here I am, God. God said, Abraham, here I am. And here Mary does something similar. God, I'm your servant, whatever you want. And here's this teenage girl, and I I think of this story, you know, sometimes we we gloss it over in, in our in our Christmas time, and we read the story, and we understand it in different ways, but think of this. Here's a teenage girl with her own dreams, with her own plans, with her own purposes, all mapped out, all in her head of of what her friends have done, what other people she knows, yet in one encounter, it all changed. The angel shows up, and everything changed. Everything she was dreaming of has changed. And what did she do? She said, yes. To everything changing right there. She said, may it be as you've said. <laughs> that moment, Mary had no clue what those words would mean. She had no clue that the very course of her life, um, she maybe thought Jesus would come, she would give birth to this baby in a wonderful palace, there would be servants, there would be like the king, a son of man, son of God is coming, like it's going to be amazing, I'm going to be royalty, I'm going to be like the queen, you know, all those kind of things. The royal gala, the Messiah, you know, all that's coming. And here God calls her highly favored. But it didn't look that way. See, the favor was for something. It was for a journey. It was for the journey, you know, the journey that would involve Joseph, her husband, to be being furious. You're pregnant? How are you pregnant? Her family, just dumbfounded. Mary, how could you? Who's the guy? 
not trying to, trying to figure it out. What is happening? The whole community in arms. She had to actually leave and go be with her relative Elizabeth. She goes to Elizabeth's house, and, 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 and then this highly favored woman of God has to travel in terrible conditions because there's a census. She has to go on the back of a donkey. She has to go all the way to Bethlehem. She has to go there, and the conditions are terrible, and there's no place to stay. And the last place there is, there's an inn, there's a barn, whatever, a manger, whatever it is. It's not a place to have a baby. It's not a place that you would have the Son of God. It's not a place that someone who's highly favored should be. But she's highly favored. And it says that there was animals there and that when Jesus was born, he was wrapped in swaddling clothes. You know, it's really nice when we hear that, but historians say those swaddling clothes are probably the milk rags from the goats. They probably stunk like sour milk. That the smells of that place that were Jesus, it was not hygienic. It was not, it was not a place to have a baby. And yet the Son of God was born there. And... I just wonder her thinking, here all my wedding plans are gone. My life was not as, my life, this isn't what I planned. And the wise men came and they, they told what they knew. And it says that Mary pondered and treasured this in her heart. And then for two years there's a bounty on Jesus' head. They want to kill Jesus. So every time Jesus cries, Mary's got to be like, shh, Jesus, shh. Scared that somebody's going to find out that Jesus is in the house and want to kill him. They're on the run. They're like fugitives on the run trying to hide this baby because Herod wants to kill it. Then Jesus gets older and he ends up getting lost in Jerusalem. This is pre-Amber Alert. This is pre- for three days. You imagine they're running up and down the street. Jesus, have you seen my boy? Have you seen my boy? They don't know how to raise. They don't know how to raise this, the son of God. Like they, there's no book how to raise the son of God for dummies. You know, like <laughs> it was over their heads. And they find Jesus. He's teaching at the temple. He's like, didn't you know I'd be here minding my father's bed? It's like what? Then at one point, Jesus, as he gets older, he's teaching in a house. And Jesus, I mean, crowds are coming. And Mary got to witness all this. Mary, the miracles. And I'm, I'm sure she's around. She's hearing about it. She's, she's watching it on her social media, you know. She's watching Facebook and all the posts. And she, she's, she sees the live, you know, the live stream. And, you know, she's seeing it all. She's around it. There's a buzz. And she goes one day with Jesus' brothers to the house for Jesus because she wants to see Jesus. And uh, she goes to this house, and, and they, the disciples go, Hey, look, Jesus, uh, your mom's outside and wants to talk to you. And Jesus said, Who's my mom? And I wonder if Mary outside could hear that. Jesus said, Who's my mother? And he goes on and he talks about the call in his life and the mandate and the kingdom of heaven and all that. But I can imagine being the mom and he didn't mean it in disrespect, but he was there with an assignment from the Father. But how would Mary understand all that? Here, here her own flesh and blood goes, who's my mom? 
All this is going on, and then Jesus is beaten beyond recognition. She has to watch this unfold in front of her. This highly favored woman. And then Jesus is hung on the cross in the most brutal way possible. And she's watching this with nothing she can do to stop it. I can't imagine her watching that flesh and blood that her son die on the cross and then get carried away to a tomb. I can't imagine that. But you know what? God trusted Mary. God trusted Mary. And I believe that God trusts you and me. And being highly favored meant that God trusted Mary. God knew that Mary, God knew what Mary would have to go through. God knew the path that Mary would take. God chose Mary. And I believe that God wants to remind each one of us tonight that God chose you and God chose me. You may feel overwhelmed. You may feel like you're in a cloud of snow and you can't see the way, but God chose you. He trusts you. See, we cannot trust God until we believe that He trusts us. How can I offer something to God if we first didn't get it from Him? We have to have the revelation that He trusts us, that He chose us. He loved us first. And because of this, see, before we can love Him, He loved us first. Value. Each one of us in this room have value because of what Jesus died for us on the cross. The cross is the revelation of our value. And we've said this multiple times before in different ways, and I've, I've said this many times, but it's a common theme at Resurgence to know that our value, the cross reveals our value. And that means He trusts you and He trusts me. See, God is good. God's in a good mood. God's not looking to smite you. God trusts you. God chose you. God made you for such a time as this. 1 Corinthians 13, 7, 8, love does not delight in evil but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Love never fails. Sometimes we can't accept that. Shame tries to stop us. We're a mistake. It tries, tries to tell us that lie. You're a mistake. That's not true. That's not the God we read in Scripture. See, we're looking at God as a dictator waiting, to, waiting uh, for us to screw up and then ream us out. God's not like that. He's, he's, he, we're not confident in who we are so often. Then we're not bold as lions that God's called us to be bold. He's called a confidence to be inside of us, to be so bold. See, the foundation to trusting God is a revelation that He values us, He chose us, and He trusts us. Luke 1.30, you know, it says this in Luke 1.28, The Lord is with you, said to Mary. Do not be afraid, in verse 30. <laughs> See, because God trusts us, there's an accountability that comes and there's a responsibility that comes. The second thing we, we hear from the story is this whole thought of here I am. Mary responded with that, very, that, that line, I am the Lord's servant, may it be as you have said. Not only did God trust Mary, but Mary, despite all this, despite all her plans being thrown out the window, trusted God. It's a posture of her heart. 
Not on her own understanding. She couldn't understand what was happening, but she trusted him. It's a posture. See, Jacob was running from God, and God showed up, and Jacob said, here I am. Samuel was sleeping, and, and then God woke him up, and he goes, here I am. And then when God called Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, there's that, here I am, God. And I don't think it was like a, here I am to save the day. You know, I don't think it was that. I don't think Abraham said, here I am, God, and he wore his cape and everything. You know, it wasn't like that. I think it was like, here I am. I think it was a posture of humility, a posture of, I trust you. I don't, I'm not going to understand what you're going to say next, but I trust you, and here I am. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways. See, Abraham went up the mountain to sacrifice Isaac. Abraham's ready to kill the very promise that God gave him. Isaac wasn't bad. Isaac was the promise of many years, as, as Dean talked about. For many years, God gave this promise. He waited for fulfillment. He trusted God for it. God came through, and there was a sense. And here, God, you know, had him and his wife, who were senior citizens, give birth to a baby. They give birth to Isaac. And now God says, take Isaac up and go kill him. Huh? That doesn't make sense. But Abraham says, here I am. It didn't matter in his own understanding what was going to happen, but he did it. And then, right before he's going to kill him, God says, Abraham. And I bet Abraham was really happy to hear that. And he said again, here I am. See, between the two bookends of that story, you have a here I am and a here I am. But in the middle, you have a process. In the middle, you have a test. In the middle, you have a journey. Over a year ago, God spoke to me some words. I was driving home from a lead team meeting at Aaron and Tara's house, and we had a lead team meeting, and I think I was driving home, and I'm just driving home, and God just spoke this thought to me. He says, what does the day before your greatest breakthrough feel like? Start to think about that. The day, the week, what, what, like, what do you mean? What does it feel like? What, what, what would it feel like? I shared this in the fall in a church, and the pastor um, blurted out, like hell. <laughs> Isn't it <that> true? <laughs> so between the two bookends of here I am, there's a process. And, and God spoke to me about journaling because I've been journaling this because we love the pinnacle moments. We love the here I am's on each side of it. But do we love the, the middle part? See, we're so eager to get to the here I am. We're so eager to get to the encounter with the Lord that, that moves us on, that, that the next thing. We, we're so eager to get to those parts. But are we missing what God's doing in the process? The trusting phase. The seasons between the hope and the realization of the hope. The seasons between, I, I have this sense, I see with faith, but I'm not there yet and I'm believing for it to be there. What does that process look like? The trusting. Don't miss the process. Don't miss the process. I, I found in life I've been too quick to try to get to the here I am and I miss the process. And I feel like God has times have, has made me go back and learn the process. 
Because God's interested in developing the root systems before he develops the hope, the, the fruit on the tree. Corey Ten Boom said, when a train goes through a tunnel and gets dark, you don't throw away the ticket and jump off the train. You trust the engineer. Are we trusting God through the process? When you can't see where you're going and what's happening, God, here I am. In the story of Abraham, it concluded by saying, from that day forward on the mountain of the Lord, it shall be provided. Breakthrough comes on the mountain of trust. He trusted God on that mountain, and as a result, on the mountain of the Lord, it shall be provided. Something happened there. You, sh you can have it all, Lord. Abraham gave his all his heart to God. He was able to say, I will sacrifice this son because my relationship with you, God, is more important. When you say jump, I'm in. There's a posture. Mary had her own plans, but she was okay to let that change. I was thinking about this this week. Um, I... Uh, I, I Instagrammed this um, song yesterday. But there was a song that I was listening to the other day. It's called Breathe. And it was on a hungry CD, a hungry UK CD, a worship CD, um, many years ago. And it was, you are the air I breathe. God, I'm desperate for you. And it goes on and on. It just describes this desperate cry for God. And as I heard this song this week, I was reminded. I was reminded. If you ever think of those songs that you, you know right where you were. And I was reminded of being on the floor of the house that we lived in growing up in Blue Quill. And I was on the second floor. Um, the carpet was white. I could tell you exactly where I was yelling out to God. And that song was blaring. No one was in the house. My parents weren't home. I'm sure the neighbors could hear. I was just hungry for God. And I remember questioning everything, calling out to God, at times angry, at times everything. And I can think of other stories during those, that season, and I think of times, but I think of that song, that desperation. There's that history with God, and, and I thought of it. I, I, was, I was dreaming and crying about the very things I'm walking out today. And I think back to that and I go, God, I thank you for the history that we can have with you. That you're still the same God. And I, and I listened to that song and I just, it began, I was listening on the way here tonight. It's just like, I'm just like, God, I'm just desperate for you. There, there's a here I am at the, the middle, but God, there's been a process, but God, I'm still back to that. I'm still at the same spot. God, here I am. I'm desperate for you. I'm desperate for more. I want more. I, I want to hope more. I want, I want to see things more. And the last thing that we see in this story is that how to grow in our trust comes from pondering and treasuring, hmm. to treasure. In Luke 2, it said that when the shepherds told the amazing things that Jesus will do to Mary, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 was actually around was in the Bible, the word, the Septuagint that they would have read back in Mary's day. I'm going to think that Mary knew Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Isn't that remarkable? That we could look back at this and actually Mary probably had that on her fridge or whatever they had, on her wall, on her donkey. She pinned it to her donkey. 
as she's pregnant on the way into Bethlehem and is just like, what are we doing? God, I just, I don't know all this stuff, but I just, Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Isn't that encouraging to think of that? That she actually could rely on this? And what are you pondering in your heart? What's treasured in your heart? Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all things, guard your heart because everything you do from it, everything you do flows from it. There's a flow from our heart. What's in your heart? As we head into 2017, get a fresh word for your life. Get a fresh word for your life. How do I get a fresh word for my life? What's God saying? It's to, it's to go into the word. It's, it's re-dig wells of hope. Start to go as Dean shared. I mean, he preached a message here. He, you know, go, go over the words that are spoken over you. Go over the things that God has put deep in you. What are the things you're believing for? What are the hopes? What are the things that maybe even a long time ago that, that people have spoken and you're like, it might be one word. Whatever it is, start to get it in front of you. Start to get it in you. So you go, okay, God, I'm, I'm, I'm believing for that again. Open the Word. Uh, um, the Bible is the Word of God. Open up the Word and say, God, I need a Word for this year. I need a Word to get me through. I need a Word that you want to speak to me, God. Give me a fresh Word. What are you meditating on? The Bible is the Word of God. The Word is also described as Jesus. So if we want to know and we want to encounter Jesus, we need to be people of the Word. As Dean shared, you know, I... I um, Bible reading regularly. I read the Bible. I mean, I'm in ministry. You're supposed to, everyone goes, oh, you read the Bible all the time. I think it's harder to be in ministry and read the Bible. <laughs> like some people always think it's easier. I struggle with consistently reading the Word. I'll confess that. I struggle with it. And so I'm on a Bible plan and I'm, and I'm keeping accountable, and it's on version. and you find one, find some friends, you can see, I can see progress, people can see my progress, and they can go, oh, hey, you never read it, you know? <laughs> but, but it's important that we stay in the Word. You know, um, not just a glance, I don't want to just glance at the Lord, I just don't want to acknowledge Him in the room like we know of acknowledge, I want to know Him, have an intimate encounter with the Lord, and that comes through reading of the Word. Uh, when I was in uh, Vancouver with my brother's family for Christmas, they have four kids, and I realized in those six days that my life without kids, I don't have kids, is very selfish. When you're around four kids that are going to hockey twice Per each per day with a hockey tournament, when you're just doing stuff to hang out with them, when you're, when you're you know, going to sports check because they want to look at something, and I, and I want to look at something, but, but mainly them. When, when you're doing all these things around, I got home and I'm like, man, my life is pretty selfish, you know? Those that raise kids will understand that and know that. But it's, it, I just felt overwhelmed, and, and I came back, and I was, I was just this week. I, honestly, personally, I felt overwhelmed. There's a lot happening. We're, we're hiring someone. We're doing so much. We're growing in so many areas, and I'm just like, God, I feel overwhelmed. I feel like a swirl. I feel like that white cloud, and I shared it with our team last week. I'm like, guys, pray for me. I feel this swirl. I feel... What I did Monday morning after our meeting on Sunday night is I went, and I said, okay, I'm, I'm actually already, is this, we're four days into the Bible reading plan, and I was uh, ready, I think, three days behind. <laughs> Fail. So I sat down and I said, okay, Lord, I, 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 need to, I need to read the Word. 
and I started to read the Word. I took an hour. I caught up, and I even got ahead. And, and, and each morning, I've said, God, I'm reading the Word. I'm getting into this Word. And as I did that, peace came. As I did that, the overwhelmment, the, the, the cloud, I started to see the hopes again. I started to see a peace come. I started to see so many times we turn to everything else. We need to turn to the Word and see clarity through the Word. 2 Timothy 2.14, guard the good treasure entrusted to you with the help of the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. See, Mary trusted God with her entire life. And the last account that we have of Mary is actually in Acts. And I just discovered this a little while ago, about six months ago. She was actually found in the upper room. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there in Acts 2 in the upper room. She was accounted with the other disciples waiting for the Holy Spirit. I find this fascinating. You know, even through all the traumatic events she's experienced, Jesus dying, all of this stuff, her whole life, the journey she was on, here she was still there waiting on the Holy Spirit to come. And the Holy Spirit came. And I love what Pastor T.D. Jakes, he says, you know, he says this, he explains that Mary is the only person ever to not only have Jesus in her body once, but she got Jesus in her body twice. She was there waiting, and it says that the, the Holy Spirit, that the very resurrected power of Jesus lives inside of us. That's what happens when the Spirit came. The Spirit came on her in the beginning. It came, in, it came actually on her in the beginning. It says the Holy Spirit is on you, Mary. She got, she got pregnant. She had this baby. But now the Holy Spirit actually became in her. Jesus was living in her. She got both. She, she gave birth to Jesus, but then Jesus came in her. She, I just wonder if her body just slept. She just knew. She knew that. She knew the feeling. She knew what that was like. Like I, just, I wonder what that experience was like for Mary. I bet it was like no other. See, the story's bigger than us. Mary had plans. Abraham had plans. But they actually paled in comparison. Her ideal life would have been fine. Would have been good. But do you imagine now her picture, Mary's picture, is in probably every single Catholic church in the world? Just a teenage girl. Like, think about it. Mary, her ideal life would have been great, but she could never have dreamed of what was going to happen to her. Who would have ever thought See, it's on the other side of trusting, on the other side of sticking through the process, on the other side, here I am having Jesus in me twice. More than all that, Mary had a legacy that she couldn't have imagined. See, God trusted her with His Son. Her impact was for generations. Not just her generation, but generations to come. Legacy. Mary sang this song or said this when she found out she was pregnant with Elizabeth. She says, she found, she says, from now on all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me. She knew that. There was a prophetic word there. She knew what was, God was speaking to her what was happening. She was treasuring. She was pondering that. 
Abraham, after the testing, you know what he said? God came and God said, I will make you descendants more numerous than the stars. He affirmed that on the mountain. He affirmed the call on his life. See, the journey you're on, the journey I'm on is greater than you and it's greater than me. It's generational. It's legacy. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God is not saying I'm the God of those three men. God is saying I'm the God of generations. I'm the God of generations. And I want to use you to impact generations. It's about a legacy. And, and our process, our journey in trusting God for those hopes, those things that we have, they're actually bigger. It's bigger than us. We're so selfish at times. We think about our needs. Okay, I want to find that person, or I want to do this, or I want to accomplish that task, or whatever it is, whatever your hope is. But God's doing something through the process that we don't understand that's about generations. And we have to stick to the process. God's working in bigger ways. And there's that call for here I am. Just want you to just close your eyes and um, in this place and um, the amplified version uh, reads of of trust the, the scripture here. Let me just find it. Proverbs three, five and six in the amplified says, "Trust in and rely confidently on the Lord with all your heart." And do not rely on your own insight or understanding. In all your ways, know and acknowledge and recognize Him. And He will make your path straight and smooth, removing obstacles that block your way. Tonight, as I've been speaking, you're in this place tonight. And um, you just know that you're not right with God tonight. Maybe you don't have him as your personal savior. Maybe you don't know Jesus inside like that relationship he wants with you. And tonight he's knocking on the door of your heart. Maybe you once knew him. Maybe tonight you say, Travis, I'm not in right standing with God tonight. I'm, I'm struggling. I'm just not there. And as you've been speaking, I know I need to get right with God. If that's you in this place, I just... You're like, I want, I want that. I just want you to raise your hand in this place. Just raise it high so I can see it. No one's looking around. I need to get, you need to get right with God. You need to maybe ask him in your heart, whatever that looks like. Yeah. Yeah. See those hands? We're just going to wait. Just lift it so I can see it. Yeah. Yeah. Just want us all pray this. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you're here tonight. I thank you that you love me. And I ask you to come into my heart tonight. Forgive me of my sin. I surrender my heart and my life to you. Come and do what you do. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Set me free from every area where I need freedom. I thank you that you love me, that you've called me, that you chose me. And I receive that tonight. 
Help me to get to know you. Amen.